Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and we're so glad that you are here today. And last week we started a new series called Judgment Call. So you had an assignment, okay? You were supposed to go home and look in the mirror and see if you had to remove a plank from your eye or a little bit of peanut butter like the video showed there. Um, so uh, let's see how we did. So turn to your neighbor and uh, kind of check out their face and say, oh, you did a good job, or you missed a spot, okay? So, yeah. Um, last week, Trent said for us to like take the entire week to do that. And some of you are like quick on the draw because I was going home later that afternoon and I was on Beltaire and all of a sudden I received a text message letting me know how fast I was going. So yeah, you know, I thought the cameras were kind of bad, but uh, that's okay. But anyways, we are jumping into our series called Judgment Call. And last week we learned that uh, despite what our culture may think that we should not judge, what we found is that we judge. We judge all the time. It doesn't matter who you are. We judge. We make judgment calls about people, about their actions, about what they should be doing, their type of behavior, what they believe and everything. And then also what we uh, found out last week as well is that many of us think that God says not to judge, uh, but that's not the case. What we found out is that God has a lot to say about this thing called judgment, okay? And last week, we learned uh, from Trent that before we go to judge a friend, that we are to look in the mirror and to remove the plank that's in our own eye so that we have the right motive when we go to approach our friend. And so it was a very powerful message. If you missed out last week, I highly encourage you to check it out on our podcast and listen to that message. This entire series is very important. If you miss one of them, you're going to miss out on exactly who God is and what he expects for judgment because judgment is a tough subject. Um, when we mention that word, it's tough, and we should know what to do because it's so easy for us to hurt someone else. So today, we are going to look at uh, what the Bible says in terms of who should we judge, and it's a very important topic. And next week, we're going to actually look at the process of kind of how to judge because God gives us this description of how to judge or how to approach someone, and here's the manner in which you do it, okay? But today, we're going to focus on who to judge. Now, for some of you who are checking out Christianity or who are just like outside the faith, you're going to kind of sit back and say, you know what? This is hilarious. This is what I've been saying all the time about those Christ followers. In fact, you may be tempted to kind of like rib your spouse and say, see, that's what I've been saying. And for some of you, this message is going to be tough on who God says to judge because it's going to challenge some of your beliefs. It's going to challenge some of your behaviors. And all that I would ask for all of us to do is to reread this passage of scripture that we're going to be checking out today and reread it and reread it and reread it and ask God, God, if I'm a Christ follower, is this what you would have me to do? Because today is a very tough topic, and the passage that we're going to be looking at is a very difficult passage. And you may be tempted to check out at times, but please don't. Please stay in tune for the entire message, or you might miss out on who God is and make the wrong kind of call on him. So, it might surprise you, it might be shocking to you, but when we look at Jesus' life in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you might be surprised that Jesus judged a lot of people. Now, it's interesting, though, because he often did not judge those that we would think that he should judge. And the people that we think that he shouldn't judge, he judged. And so, for some of us, we might say, well, who did he judge? 
and surprise you, it wasn't those who were like outside the faith. It was those who were on the inside. It was the Pharisees. It was the religious teachers of the day. It was those who were like in with God, who knew everything about God, who were supposed to represent God to the people. And in fact, when he would have confrontations with them, he often called them hypocrites or liars or thieves. And he would not only call them to these names to their faces, he would say these things to them out in public in front of large crowds as well. And so we think, well, how would he interact with those who are outside the faith? And what we find is that he did not judge those who were outside the faith. In fact, he loved on them a lot. And it's, it's the reason that many of us have become Christ followers because we've experienced his love. Uh, there's a story in the Bible where he calls this guy named Matthew to become in his inner circle. And Matthew is known as a liar, as a thief, even a traitor to his own people. But yet Jesus invites him into his inner circle. And then there's another story about a woman who is a liar and who is living with a man who's not her husband. And no one would talk to her in that culture. But yet Jesus goes out of his way to go speak to her, to go talk to her, to show her love. And she responds by becoming a Christ follower. And if we were to share our stories, we would find that many of us have those same stories of all of a sudden, you know, people treated me like this. But when I met God, when I met Jesus, I met a man who loved me. And so for many of us, that's who Jesus is. And Jesus' day, th those who were known as like the most notorious sinners of the day or something like that, they were the ones who were often most comfortable with Jesus. And Jesus was most often comfortable with them as well. So here's the problem today. Here's what's happening. When we talk to those who are outside the faith, they would say that they have no problem with Jesus. Instead, they have problems with his followers because they don't see Jesus in them. Instead, they think we are judgmental. And that's the reason that they don't want to come to church. And that's the reason that they may not want to associate with Christ's followers because they see Christ's followers as being more concerned with people's behaviors and trying to regulate their behavior rather than showing the love that Jesus showed to people. And so here's the truth, okay? We as Christians get this mixed up, and we've gotten it mixed up for a very long time, okay? We have no business with judging those who are outside the faith. Instead, when we look at insiders, we often don't judge them, but yet that's wrong because we mix this thing up, and God God desires, and what he says in his word, is for us to judge those who are inside the faith and not those who are outside the faith. So that's what we're going to be checking out today. That's what we're going to be looking at. So if you would, get out your Bibles, and today I want you to kind of fasten your seatbelts, all right? And I want you to get ready for this because this is a very difficult passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. So if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1 on page 872. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one of the Bibles in the back. Uh, totally fine to do that. So at this point, you can jump up and grab one. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Let me kind of set up this for us. Here's the Apostle Paul who wrote the, this letter of 1 Corinthians. He actually wrote four letters to the Corinthians. Uh, two of them we lost. Now, 
I didn't lose them, okay? All right? Trent lost them, okay? <clears throat> but anyways, we have two of these letters uh, that remain, and Paul was the man who went to Corinth, and Corinth is like the modern-day Las Vegas, and he sets up this church, so it's kind of that, like, think of Las Vegas, what's that phrase, like, what happens in Vegas? Yeah, stays in Vegas. Same thing in Corinth. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. This is like a port city. Uh, many merchants came through it from land crossings, and then there was uh, some seas on both sides of it. And so many sailors were there, and they loved to party. Okay, And it's kind of funny. People back in the day who were like non-religious even referred to the city as very pagan and very sensual. Um, so it was a city that just grinded up people and spit them out. And when Paul is there, he is broken for what is happening to the people in the city. And so he reaches out to them and he shows them God's love. And some of them start to become Christ followers at that point. And so he wins some people over to becoming Christ followers. And he stays with them for about 18 months to show them scripture, to show them how to follow Christ and everything. And then Paul would move on to another city to start another church. So here's what's happening. He would send letters of encouragement at times on how to be a Christ follower in the midst of this culture. And at one point, he gets a report. This delegation is sent to him reporting of some like nasty stuff that is going on in this church in Corinth. Okay, it's so disturbing that news has gotten out to people in the city of Corinth and also to other churches that were outside of Corinth in other cities. And so people in Corinth are like, dude, really? Are you serious? That's happening? Are you serious? That doesn't happen. And it's happening in where? What? You know? And so Paul is responding to this list of like questions that this church is sending to him through this delegation. So this letter that he writes back to them is his answers on how to deal with this terrible, terrible situation that's going on. So let's begin in verse one. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something even pagans don't do. Now, this is important. Did you catch that? Um, here's this standard for Christ followers, but here's this standard that even the culture has and is being violated, okay, because of this scenario that's happening in this church. And so this is like not okay. This is like way beyond even Corinth's standard, okay? Now you're kind of interested in what is it? All right, well, here we go. <clears throat> I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Yep, you're thinking right. This guy is sleeping with his stepmother, okay? Yeah, Corinth, they're going, yuck, dude, you don't do that. Like, that's messed up, you know? And what makes it even worse is this isn't like a, oops, I kind of messed up, or I drank a little bit too much one night or something like that. None of that. The language here indicates that this is ongoing, that he is hooking up with his stepmother on a regular basis, okay? And what's even worse is that his father is now dead. And so this guy is, you know, taking over his father's, yeah, wife. So, you know, and you wonder, like, where does Hollywood get their script? It's from the Bible, if you didn't know, okay? <clears throat> so here's the problem. This guy, it's not a story of, like, he fell into temptation and he came back to the church, or it's not a story of, like, this guy, like, kind of messed up and he said, you know, I kind of blew it and all that kind of stuff. This guy is embracing this lifestyle. This guy is embracing a lifestyle that's contradictory to 
culture that's contradictory to common sense and even contradictory to following Jesus and his teachings. So now if you think that's bad, it kind of gets even worse. Verse two, here we go. This is Paul talking to the church. You, church, you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. Yeah, you read that right. The church in Corinth uh, is like proud of this. Now, when you think of the church back then, this isn't like a gigantic church or something like that. It was probably about one dozen people or two dozen people. Um, Our Epic Kids area has like just over 100 kids. You know, they're like three times larger than what this church would be. And here's what's sad. Everyone knew this guy. Everyone knew his story. And Paul is saying, hey, you know what? Here's what's going on, guys. For some reason, you are proud of this situation. Now, there's some indication that this guy was like maybe a high-ranking official in Corinth at the time, so maybe they're proud because we have this high-ranking official and he's a Christian. We don't know, okay? But for some reason, they are proud. And Paul is saying, guys, time out, okay? This should break your heart. Your heart should be broken. You know this man. You know who he is. Someone should have spoken into his life, but no one has done that. In fact, he needs to be addressed. You're doing nothing. The culture even knows that this is not good. Where do you think that this is going to take this man? How good do you think things are going to turn out, okay? Your hearts should be broken for this man, but instead, they're proud. Now, let's see what kind of uh, Paul tells the church what they should do. Let's continue in verse 2. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. So some of you are thinking, Paul, isn't that a little harsh? You know, like, you know, shut this guy out. And Paul would say, hey, guys, here's this delegation that has come to me, okay? They've told me the entire story. I know some of these people. I was with these people for 18 months. They've told me the story. We have cried about it. We have prayed about it. We've talked about it for hours, and we have sought out God on what to do in this situation. And so, guys, something's got to be done. It's time to judge. Even the city of Corinth knows that this is not a good thing. And so if you think like Paul's like still being too harsh, did you catch what he called the woman, the nasty names that he called her? No, you didn't, okay? He didn't say anything about the woman. And here's the reason. He only addresses the man because she's obviously not a part of the church. She's obviously not a Christ follower. And so he knows that he has no business with addressing her at all because she's not part of the family. She wouldn't understand. And so he, if there's a person who could judge in this moment, it would be Paul. And yet Paul does not judge this woman, which should speak volumes, should speak volumes to us with those concerning people who are outside the faith. And so Paul instead addresses his attention to this man. And so picking up in verse uh, four, let's kind of see what he wants the church to do. He says, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. 
Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Now you're thinking, what does that mean? Okay, that's really weird. It is weird, okay, what just he kind of said in there. So let me kind of break it down for us in this way. What Paul is wanting this church to do, take like 12 or 24 of these people and he wants them to like gather around this guy and he wants them to do this ceremony, put this guy out in the middle and then he wants them to kind of go Gundam style and say, all right, be gone. No, just kidding. But somebody bought that. But anyways, um, or some of you were impressed with my dance moves. But anyways, that's not, okay? Please don't go out in the community and say, whoa, something strange happening at Epic. Um, that's not what Paul meant at all, Okay. So let me kind of break uh, down what he's saying here. So what does it mean by handing him over to Satan? It's figurative language, okay? So basically Paul is saying to these guys, guys, you need to approach this man and you need to say to him, tell this man that if he wants to behave like that, that's fine, okay? But don't do that here, especially as you call yourself a Christ follower, okay? And so Paul would say, tell that guy to leave. And this isn't harsh. Paul is saying, you know, sometimes, and we know this, um, when we do something wrong, um, we know that there's natural consequences, right? And so sometimes we call that sin or something like that. But when we do something wrong, we know that sometimes we get beat up with the decisions that we made. So Paul is saying, hey, get this guy out there. Let him be out there. Let him embrace the lifestyle to its fullest because he's going to get knocked around and he's going to eventually, hopefully, come to his senses. And then when he comes back, you are to fully embrace him, fully accept him. And here's the problem. Sometimes in our churches, we don't do that. We've all experienced it. Sometimes in our lives, we have walked away from God. And when we've walked away from God, all of a sudden we get beat up in life and we come running back to God. Same thing here. But Paul is saying, get this guy out faster because sometimes the shortest way back is to fully embrace that lifestyle or fully embrace that sin because then we realize, oh my goodness, why did I do that? You know, it's just like tough love, okay? I don't know if you've ever experienced that or ever had that happen to you, but let me share you a little story. My older sister, she, if she were here, she would share this story. She wouldn't mind me sharing the story with you at all. But when she turned 21, she became an alcoholic, and she ran from everything that she knew, okay? And she was a Christ follower. And she was out there, and all of a sudden, in her late 20s, she calls up my parents out of the blue. And she says, guys, I need help, okay? I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to drugs. I need help. So my parents just said, hey, come on home, all right? Come on home. So she goes on home, and for a while, she did really great. But then she embraced that lifestyle again. She started to lie about it. She started to steal from my parents. She started to just do all this nasty stuff in the relationship with them when they were trying to help her. And if you know my dad, my dad's like the nicest man in the world, okay? Like he gets taken advantage of because he's so nice, okay? And he knew that the thing that he needed to do was practice a little bit of tough love because what they were doing, they were enabling her to continue to destroy her life. And so my parents all of a sudden came up with the conclusion is, okay, we need to ask her to leave. And it was hard, and it broke their hearts. But they knew that she wasn't ready, ready to make that change on her own. So she left, 
And a couple years later, she finally hit rock bottom, okay? And she got some help. And I can tell you today, seven years later, that she is clean and she is sober and she's been doing a wonderful job. And in fact, the place that she got help from, she now helps other women and she helps them. And she practices tough love with them as well because she knows that sometimes the best thing that we can do to save somebody's life, to save somebody's life is practice tough love. And if she were here today, she would tell you, and she would say out in front and loud, that she is so glad that my parents did that, that they loved her that much because it ended up rescuing her life physically and spiritually. And so sometimes in extreme cases, extreme cases like what we're reading about, sometimes in extreme cases, the best thing that we can do is often to show them love, and to practice tough love. So let's see what Paul wants us to learn as well. <clears throat> as we, We're going to kind of make a transition here because he thinks, uh-oh, you know, maybe they got confused from my previous letter, you know, the one that Trent lost. You know, maybe they got confused. Maybe they misunderstood what I was trying to say in that other letter. So verse 9, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols, what was going on in Corinth is what he's referring to. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. So Paul's thinking maybe, oh no, maybe they got confused. Maybe they have, are not associating with people who are outside the faith. And that's wrong. Guys, don't do that. You're not supposed to be judging them. You're supposed to be out there. You're supposed to be building relationships with them. You're supposed to be associating with them. They need to see you because they need to see God in you. Just like you, when I came to Corinth and I was with you and you saw God in me, they need to see Jesus in you. So please do not, do not judge outsiders. Instead, embrace and associate with them. So Paul continues as he kind of wants to make this clear for uh, everybody at Corinth. In verse 11, he says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Now let's kind of pause here for a moment and break this down because next week we're going to see like how to judge someone, which is really important. So don't miss out next week. Today, we're kind of seeing like the final step, like the extreme case, okay? So don't get mixed up with that thought pattern here. So when you judge, you've got to be a Christ follower. And you've got to look at the people who are in the sphere of your influence, your friends who are Christ followers. Those are the people that we can judge. It's not like somebody over here on this side of the church that kind of knows somebody over here on this side, but not really. So they're going to make a judgment call about you because, yeah, they don't really know you. No, it's not like an association. It is a friend. You remember last week? Last week, the passage said, before you judge a friend, someone you know, someone you have a relationship with, someone who talks to you and you talk back to them that they know what's going on in your life and they're rooting you on and cheering you on, okay? And you don't confront like with this last act and say, okay, you know, I'm gonna banish you or whatever, you know? This is reserved for like someone who's sleeping with their stepmother, okay? 
it's clear. That's disgusting, all right? This isn't like you judge them because of their hairstyle, because they're tattoos, or because you don't like their personality, or it's some kind of like little preference that you have on your list that nobody knows what your list is or anything like that. That's not when you are to judge. That's when Paul says, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Judge yourself first. Then you will have the right motive in judging your friend, your friend. So wives, you can't go home and like say, husband, you're out, you know, or teenagers, you're out, you know. This is not what Paul is talking about. That's in the relationship of family, okay? He's talking about in the church, okay? He has a whole different standard for family. So wives, sorry to spoil it. You can't go home and do that, guys. I'm watching out for you. So anyways, um, so when is it appropriate? When someone is embracing a lifestyle that Christ died for, okay? And they know what it means to follow Christ. And they are your friend, or it's a ministry leader who knows another ministry leader, or it's a person who's on staff who knows a person on staff, and they know that this person knows better, that they know that this person knows what it means to follow Christ, and this person is going clearly in the wrong direction, okay? And they are brokenhearted, because they know that this person knows how to follow Christ, and this person is choosing not to follow Christ in this moment. And it's doing damage to a lot of people. It's doing damage to even, potentially, the community as well. And so that's when we are to hold one another accountable, okay? That's what God asks us. And we get this, you know? Wherever you work, whatever family you're a part of, whatever sphere of influence that you're in, they all have standards, okay? So this is nothing new. And what God is saying is, don't get in the way of showing people who I am. This is what you should be doing. Your heart should be broken. My heart is broken, When people do this, that's why God sent his son, because he saw that we were broken. That's why he showed us love and not judgment. And that's why we responded to him. If we all of a sudden kind of buck up and think, how dare them, and we find some anger boiling up in us, then check in the mirror, because we just might have a log in our own eye. So that's what Paul's trying to say. Our hearts, God's hearts, they're broken because this is happening. So let's kind of wrap up this passage. Verse 12, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So he's talking about this guy in that context, okay? So let me ask you a little question, a little quiz, okay? Who is supposed to judge those who are outside the faith? God, exactly right. So if you or we or me judge those who are outside the faith, who are we being like? Like God. Ouch. Yeah. And we're not supposed to judge people like God does. That's God's business. That's not our business. We have no business, no business judging those who are outside of the faith. Okay? And let me kind of put to you in in this context. Okay? 
When my kids get older, I'm going to have an expectation that they need to do their homework, okay? So if they don't do their homework, I am going to judge them, okay? They're going to get in trouble. But if I know you and you don't have that expectation for your own kids, I'm not going to show up on your door and I'm not going to say, hey, you need to make sure your kids are doing their homework or something like that. And I'm not going to tell your kids, you guys need to be doing your homework. I'm not a part of your family, okay? I have no right to do that. Okay, but I have the right to judge my children and they're going to do their homework. Okay, same thing. When you become a Christ follower, you are saying, I am ready to follow Jesus. And there's certain standards. Now, don't get me wrong. We've spent a lot of time on kind of like one little aspect of this big old pie or big old pie, you know, today. And that's only a small piece of the pie that we are to hold each other accountable. God says for us to be doing a whole bunch of other things, that we are to love one another, that we are to encourage one another, that we are to get involved in people's lives so that they know who God is. When we see someone who is broken, we see someone who is in need, we are to do everything possible to go and help that person. And when we do that type of thing, people will know People will know and see God's love through us. That's God's heartbeat. He loves us. When we're broken, he reaches out to us. When we see someone broken, we reach out to them, and sometimes we have to hold them accountable because ultimately, where will they end up? What good will come from their lives? Will their lives be destroyed by potentially what they are embracing for their lives? So in extreme cases, sometimes the most loving thing to do is to practice tough love. But what we are supposed to do is not to judge those who are outside the faith. We are to continue to love them, continue to associate with them, continue to be in their lives. And yeah, we may have like different values, but we have no business with judging those who are outside the faith. We have no business with telling them how to live their lives. We have no business with telling them how to spend their money, and we have no business with telling them about their morality. And that's what God would say to us. So I want us to remember something today, all right? This is really important to understand God's heartbeat in this matter, all right? So I've come up with kind of like this little catchy phrase. It's kind of like churchy phrase because it's like Paul's bottom line. So I want us to remember it, okay? I want us to soak it in. And it's going to feel a little old school. It's going to feel a little like corny, but that's okay, all right? So uh, by a raise of hands, how many of you uh, were in a church where there was like an old man who went like, amen, you know, or something like that? Yeah, raise your hands. Yeah, when he said like the bottom line. Okay, awesome. How many of you were like a part of a tradition where like they talked back to the preacher and it was like a two-way conversation during the whole thing? Yeah, raise your hand on that. Yeah, you know. How many of you, it may seem weird, and I know it seems weird, but you've seen this on TV, you've seen this in the movies and everything, and you've seen like that little old lady in the back say, amen, preacher man, you know, or something like that. And there was a part of you that was like, I, I would like to do that one day. All right, so here's your opportunity. Today, I'm going to say the bottom line, and it's going to be a little churchy, it's going to be a little corny, but it's going to make a point, okay? It's a little play on words, so I think you're going to love it, and I want you to give it your best Amen, or whatever you want to say. Just keep it clean, okay? So I just want you to say something like amen after I give the bottom line, okay? So I'm going to kind of read this slow, and I just want you to give it your all. All right, you ready? Come on. All right, here we go. All right. So here's the phrase. Here's Paul's bottom line for us to take away today. 
Judge the believing, not the heathen. Hey, there we go. Man, you guys were right on, all right? So I want you to say that, all right? Judge the not. There we go. Let's say it one more time. Awesome. Okay, that was great. That's God's heartbeat. He loves us, okay? He loves everyone. And he pursues us with a passion. And that's what we are to do as well. Okay, when we see someone hurting, pursue them in love, not in judgment, okay? And so today my hope for you from the message is that you've gained a greater freedom of who to judge. And I hope you've gained a greater freedom that you are to love people who are outside the faith. They need to see Jesus in you, okay? And then I hope you've gained a greater responsibility for those who call themselves Christ followers. And I hope and that when you see a friend, when you see a friend, that you reach out to them and you know that the path they're on is not a good path, that you come alongside them and see what's going on and hold them accountable at that point. So let's just pray today. Don't miss out on next week. Next week, like today, we kind of saw the final you know, thing on what to do. Next week, we're going to break down kind of the process, how you come along someone, how you're, they're your friend. And so you don't want to miss that because if you do, you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of what God's heartbeat is for us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We pray and thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that you passionately pursue us no matter who we are. And Father, that you are so good to us. We mess up all the time. My goodness. And Father, I just know that you are so good that you continue to show us your love and your love and your love because that's what you are about. And so Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for just clarifying in this world where we do judge so much on how to judge. You speak into from your scripture of how we're supposed to handle things because you care so much about us. You love us and you want us to see it done in the appropriate manner. And yet, man, we blow it so many times and we judge the wrong people. And so, Father, would we just see your heartbeat for us? Would we see your passion on loving on us? And so we thank you that you care so deeply about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give it up for the worship team one more time, guys? Awesome. Love waking up to that. You guys can be seated. My name's Cody, and um, before we dive into the message today, I have a few announcements for you guys. Um, on March 2nd, Saturday, March 2nd, we have our Gleaning uh, Local Mission Project. Um, and Gleaning in the Bible teaches us that it's uh, picking produce that would rather be rotted or left alone, just gone to waste. Um, instead, we are going out to Palatka next Saturday, and we're going to pick produce to give to a local food pantry. So this is going to be a great opportunity for students, kids, families to be able to indulge and just partner with our entire Epic family, um, just have a good time and helping out others. So if you'd like to join with us. We're going to be leaving at 8 o'clock on March 2nd um, from the Target parking lot up by Walgreens. We're going to meet there. So um, if you'd like to join with us, meet us there. Um, and also, uh, God asks us to give our time and our talents, which that's one way. And he also asks us to give of our resources. So if you call Epic your home and you'd like to give um, and just invest into our community and into others, there's two ways that you can do that. You can give on theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes right behind you. 
And then also we have our, wins, our men's and women's groups starting up on March 3rd, which is next Sunday, March 3rd. Um, and if you'd like to jump and in, dive into our community groups, um, you can meet, the women's group is meeting at 4 o'clock to 5.30 at Palm Coast Community Church. And the men's group is meeting at 7 o'clock to 8.30 at Palm Coast Community Church. So everybody, there should be a handful of these little slips next to you. So if you're thinking about it, if you're not thinking about it, just grab it, pick it up, put it in your Bible, pray about it, and come join. It's going to be a great environment and some good study to dive into. And the men's group is $15, and the women's group is free for, uh, for both of those. And then also... Um, if, the, if you're new to Epic and you're just checking this out, you want to know what Epic's all wired with and uh, what we're all about, on your way out today, we have the Connection Center over in the back corner. Uh, if you need to refer like I do, it's right next to the coffee over there. So it's right over in the back corner. Stop by there. They have a packet for you to kind of check out what Epic's all about. Um, and thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you guys are here. Um, and before we dive into the message and the serious judgment call, let's go ahead and pray because sometimes it, it's a heavy message. Um, I don't like to be told what I'm doing wrong or anything. And um, just so we take it, well, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, um, just thank you. Thank you for grace onto us. Thank you for grace onto others, Lord. Um, I know this is a tough series just to uh, take in. So I ask that you just soften our hearts, Lord. Allow us to perceive the type of Christian that you want us to be, Lord. Um, as Jesus came down here, he loved others, uh, just as he wants us to love others. So before we point a finger, Lord, I ask that you just guide where we're pointing that finger. And uh, just be with Tim as he gives us the message today, um, and allow us to receive it well. Thank you for what you do, Lord. Thank you for loving us, and uh, thank you for being with us here. We invite you to join us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.